Hello, I'm Fiona, and welcome to the first bonus episode of Turned Up Dead. Today I'm going to talk about a letter written by Chris Vaughan, a man convicted and sentenced to four consecutive life sentences for the murder of his wife, Kimberly, and their children, Abigail, Cassandra, and Blake. Chris Vaughan is also the subject of Murder in Illinois, the much-talked-about podcast that's advocating for his innocence. I won't go into the details of the case, but I will give you a brief overview. I recommend listening to the Court Junkie episode about this case, if you haven't already, as it gives an excellent and thorough account of what happened. To summarise the case very briefly, in 2007, the Vaughan family were on their way to a water park when they pulled off the highway and stopped. During this time, the three children were each shot in the chest and head, and Kimberly Vaughan died of a gunshot wound to the head, which was shot from under her chin, with the end of the gun pressed against her skin. Christopher Vaughan received two gunshot wounds, one on his leg and one on his wrist. He claimed to have no recollection of what had happened. Based largely on blood evidence found at the scene, Chris was charged and convicted of the murders in 2012. Chris Vaughan maintained that he had no recollection of what had happened until this year when he wrote a letter to his parents confessing that he did remember what had happened and that his memory loss had been a lie. This is the letter that I'm going to talk about today. I'm not going to talk about the whole letter, but instead focus only on the accounts Chris Vaughan gives of the events surrounding the death of his wife and children. You can hear the letter in full in episode 9 of Murder in Illinois. The part of the letter I'm focusing on today reads as follows. We drove to the water park, as Kim and I had talked about the night before. Kim told me she felt sick. I pulled over and got out to give her a minute. When I was around the back of the truck, heading back toward my door, it sounded like the inside of the truck was exploding. I opened my door, saw the gun Kim was holding, and jumped into my seat to grab it. Kim fired at me. I fell back out of the door, preparing to make another attempt. Kim looked at me and said, You will not take my kids. You killed them. She turned the gun on herself and fired. I go back in to check the kids. Nothing could be done. I thought to drive the truck. Kim was slumped, so I tried to buckle her. My hands shook so badly. I couldn't buckle the belt. I couldn't drive the truck. I got to the road for help. So the first thing that stands out to me is that this is really short. It's just 163 words out of a total of 731 words in the full letter, which makes it just 22.29% of the full letter. Chris Vaughan uses the past simple tense in the majority of this new, and if we are to believe him, true version of events, which is in keeping with narrative structures but it also made the one time he didn't use the past simple tense really stand out to me. It's the second part of the first sentence, which reads, quote, as Kim and I had talked about the night before, end quote. Here, Chris uses the past perfect tense, 
had talked, which shifts the focus to the night before, and also breaks the otherwise linear sequence of events. He didn't start the letter by talking about the night before, which makes me wonder why this was important enough to go back to. Why does he want the reader to know this? Well, luckily we know this already. In his previous statements, Chris Fawn claimed that the trip to the water park had been a surprise. This was included because Chris Vaughan wants the reader to now believe that Kim knew about the trip to the water park. This mention of the previous night out of sequence creates kind of a gap in time. The next sentence goes straight back to them being inside the car. He writes, Kim told me she felt sick. There's no mention of waking up the children or getting into the car or anything else that morning. So if I had the opportunity to interview Chris Ford, I would be quite interested in the account he would give of the period of time between him and Kim talking about going to the water park the night before and the whole family being in the car on their way to the water park. The next bit of language that stands out to me is the last part of the fourth sentence, which reads, quote, It sounded like the inside of the truck was exploding. End quote. This differs from the other language used in the rest of Chris's account because it uses figurative language. He uses a simile to describe the gunshots, like the inside of the truck was exploding. Something else that stands out about this bit of language is that it comes in the longest sentence of his account. In English, most often in English fiction, figurative language such as metaphors and similes are used when we want our words to really make an impact. Juliet is the sun, for example, and I came in like a wrecking ball. Chris must have listened carefully in English class because that's exactly what his use of a simile does here. It's dramatic, and it highlights the horror of what he wants the reader to believe. But it also has a convenient side effect for Vaughan. The use of this simile also gives him room to avoid being specific about the number of gunshots he heard. So that's another question I'd like to hear his answer to. How many gunshots did he hear? The line after this is the second longest sentence of his account. It reads, quote, I opened my door, saw the gun Kim was holding, and jumped into my seat to grab it. End quote. This made me wonder why Chris Vaughan didn't see the gun through the window, or mentioned being at an angle that would have made the gun not visible. I looked at the Sunrise Times for Springfield, Illinois, where this happened, on June 14th, 2007. And 5am, when this crime happened, would have been what's called civil twilight. The sun would have been below the horizon, but the sky would be lit by its rays. Timeanddate.com says that during this time, there is enough natural light to carry out most outdoor activities. This is also a very well-remembered sequence of events. According to this story, Chris Fawn saw the gun that Kim was holding and then jumped into his seat to grab it. This isn't much, but it did make me think it was a little odd that he wrote that he jumped into his seat and not towards Kim. After Kim shot him and spoke to him, he describes what happened next. Here we have a series of much shorter sentences. 
they range in length from eight words to just four words. The first of these sentences says, quote, I got back in to check the kids, end quote. Now he's being much less specific than he was before. When he was telling us how he got shot, he opened the door, saw the gun, and jumped into the seat. But now there's no opening of the door or any detail of how he checked his children. The following sentence is also very light on information. He simply says, nothing could be done. There's no explanation of why he thought that. For example, seeing the bullet wounds, which would have been visible because they were to his children's heads. Another thing that left me wondering were the sentences, I thought to drive the truck, and then a bit later, I couldn't drive the truck. Again, this is light on information, and we don't know if he tried to start the truck or why he was unable to drive it. He does, however, tell us how Kim was positioned in the car and that he tried but failed to buckle her belt. So here's my opinion on this account of events and what Chris Vaughan wrote. Excuse my French, but I think it's bullshit. Chris Vaughan is very sure of and detailed in describing his actions and the actions of Kim when it comes to things that can explain away the evidence used to show his guilt and show Kim as the shooter, yet thin on details elsewhere. He is very non-committal when he speaks about going back into the car to check the kids and not being able to drive the truck. A benefit of this for Chris Vaughan is that it makes it more difficult to match this version of his actions to any more of his blood found in and on the truck. For example, if there was blood evidence on the steering wheel, he could say, yeah, I tried driving the truck. And if there wasn't blood evidence on the steering wheel, he could say that he was so shocked or whatever and didn't touch the steering wheel. It gives him some leeway. I don't know where or if any more of Chris Vaughan's blood was found in the car. I'm just going by this letter and from what I remember from the podcasts about this case. The first bits of language in this account which stood out to me stood out because they were different to the rest of the language in the letter. Most of his sentences are in short, simple, literal language. And while you could argue that the use of the simile, it sounded like the inside of the truck was exploding, could easily be something an innocent person would say, which I agree with. But what I do think is odd is that it's the only use of this and that it's been used to emphasise the horror of Kim shooting her children. When I look at this 24-word sentence, next to the two sentences with only 14 words, combined, that he used to describe realising that his children were all dead and beyond help, I think it's very odd. I got back in to check the kids. Nothing could be done. Where I would expect there to be more words here, there is something in Chris Vaughan's account that I think was maybe more than what was needed. Chris Vaughan wrote, quote, Kim looked at me and said, You will not take my kids. You killed them. End quote. And if you remember, this was right after Chris had seen the gun in Kim's hand, jumped into the seat, been shot, fallen out the door, and he was then trying to get back into the car, and Kim was apparently speaking to him. So it's fairly obvious that she would be looking at him. But Chris Vaughan felt the need to include this. 
And like the simile, it's also something more common to fiction. The bit where he says she turned the gun on herself and fired also sounds a bit fictional to me too. This is the only time Kim is referred to as she. Otherwise, Kim is always called Kim in the text, even at other times when she would have been easily understood as Kim. Whereas the children aren't named at all by Chris Ford. They were the kids, not even my kids. Never Abigail, Cassandra or Blake. Because Kim apparently said, you will not take my kids, I'd be interested in knowing whether Kim would usually refer to her children as her kids, or would use another word, such as children. Based on what I knew about this case before hearing this letter, I did believe Chris Vaughan was guilty, so there may well be some bias to the conclusions I've come to. I've tried to be as objective as I can in trying to judge the veracity of this account. Please bear in mind that I'm only talking about the part of the letter that gives Chris Fawn's remembered account of events. I might share some thoughts on the rest of the letter later. Anyway, here goes. To me, this account just doesn't seem like something that was written with the intention of giving a true account of events. And in my opinion, it wasn't. Like many others, I believe this account was written in an attempt to justify the blood evidence used to prosecute him. Kim's actions are emphasised with a simile and detailed fiction-like descriptions of her actions, so it's easy for the reader to understand that she is the villain in this story. And apart from that one time, she's always referred to as Kim, so there's no confusion. The children are barely mentioned, and Vaughan distances himself from them when they are, by grouping them as one. The kids. Overall, I think it lacks the depth and emotion I would expect of a true account of events, 14 years down the line, from a husband and father who's finally able to speak freely about the tragic deaths of his children. My completely unprofessional opinion is that this was written in an attempt to absolve himself of a crime that he did commit. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back in a few weeks with a new full episode.